You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. Our last speaker of the first half is the wonderful David Shenton. I have visual aids. I also have dispensation for being old so I can actually read my story because I can't remember what's coming next. So I'll just, get, I'll just prepare the stage, okay. Right. Now, because I'm so old, all my stories are so historical that I have to actually fill in the history of LGBT history from the year dot, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start from 1967, I'm afraid. <laughs> shouldn't take too long. Okay. This, this, okay. this is a story which will only make sense if I set the scene with a bit of LGBT plus Oh, Q history. Sorry, I missed the Q out there. I apologize now in case you've already heard it or actually lived through it before. My personal entrance into this story will happen in about two minutes or so, or there'll be some bad language and scenes of a sexual nature. <laughs> you, can leave, you, can <laughs> you can leave now if you are easily or actually not all that easily offended. Here we go. In 1967, somebody on the telly said fuck out loud on purpose for the first time. This, of course, caused uproar in every family home up and down the country, and a certain Mrs. Whitehouse and her friends decided enough was enough and started the Clean Up Telly campaign. This was soon rebranded as the Festival of Light. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Protest banners were the fashion accessory of the day and swoops were the thing to do. They also picketed news agents until all the soft porn mags were placed on the top shelf and then hidden in plain white envelopes. But this didn't help things very much because page three girls started in several newspapers in 1970. 1967 was also the year of partial decriminalization of homosexuality. Partial because the age of consent was 21. How many people are under 21 here tonight? Anybody? Three. Okay. <laughs> this surprisingly upped the amount of prosecutions of gay men, not only in the usual places, the cottages, gents' toilets, the heath, certain cemeteries, car parks, and laybys where men find sex, but police swooped on legitimate premises too, bars, clubs, saunas, fetish shops, looking for underage boys. Underage, I'm talking about 17, 18, 19, and 20-year-olds, and the men they were with. In the early 1970s, the newly formed Gay Liberation Front and new Gay News invaded Festival of Light meetings and satirized their pu puritanical censorships. 
Mrs. Whitehouse's work continued well into the 80s when she got her own back on gay news. She had the paper prosecuted and closed down for publishing a certain poem, which she declared as obscene, and used a blasphemy law from 1697 to win her case. 1697. Also, Derek Jarman films were seized. Places like Gaze the Word in London and Lavender Menace in Edinburgh were swooped on and raided with lots of confiscations, mostly of imported gay, lesbian, and trans self-help books and novels, but also included ridiculous things like box sets of Dallas and Dynasty. <laughs> no, it's true, it's sad, isn't it? And here is where I come in first, with my first, my first graphic novel, which is called Stanley and the Mask of Mystery, which came out in 1983. And in this book, there are a couple of pages where I explain what homosexuality actually is, in a parody of Easy Reader, popular back then, the Janet and John series. Does anybody remember the Janet and John series? So here in these pages, it shows Stanley and his boyfriend watering their garden. I'll read it to you. I'll show it you first. Okay, it's in this blue, it's in this yellow bit, look. Okay, it looks like this. Can you see that? Can you see that? Can you see, can you see that? Yeah, yeah. Can you see that? So it's done like an easy reader. So, anyway, here are Stan Lee, done phonetically or with a gap, so you can actually say Stan Lee, and Raymond. Hello, you two boys. Hello, Stan Lee, see Raymond. See Stan Lee, Raymond. Stan Lee likes Raymond. Raymond likes Stanley. Come and see my big bed. Come to bed, said Stanley. Stanley and Raymond go to bed. They are homosexuals. <laughs> now the next page is a work card so you can actually fill in the questions. So this is a beginner's guide to homosexuality. Um, comprehension and study, box one, card one, okay, work card. Answer these questions, yes or no. Are you a boy? Do you like Raymond? <laughs> Would you like to go to bed? If you have put ticks in the yes box one, two, and three times, then you too may be a homosexual. <laughs> now do these. Draw or trace two homosexuals in bed. Two find someone you like, and go to bed. <laughs> now, a certainly kind grandmother and a justice of the peace, my friend Greg said I had to name her and shame her, she's called Dr. Constance Lynn, goes to Dulwich Library and takes this book of cartoons home for her small grandson. Luckily, she reads it for herself before handing it over, decides that the sole purpose of this book, and in particular those pages, is to entice, entice young children into the twilight world of the homosexual. She writes to the newspaper, writes to her MP, and I'm facing charges. My good luck is that her MP, the MP for Dulwich, is in fact Tessa Jowell, who dismisses the whole thing as bollocks. But it really was scary, you know. <laughs> so, um, but what if that MP had been somebody less rational, do you know? 
Anyway, so that's that bit of the story. Okay, the next bit. Then in the late 70s and through the 80s and 90s, we had to come to terms with an epidemic, HIV AIDS, which didn't ha even have a name. So the gay plague got widely used, and everybody knew it was just gays and contracted through anal sex and intravenous drug use. So it was all our own fault. And so nothing had to be done about it, to be honest, but who cares, eh? The government seemingly only lamented those dreadful cases where hemophiliac patients caught the virus through infected blood donations. But the police now started wearing rubber gloves right, uh, when they swooped, just in case. I mean, rubber gloves and AIDS just doesn't go, just, you know, doesn't work. The recent, and then this is today now, the recent outbreak of 3,000 cases of monkeypox, again, overwhelmingly, again, amongst men who have sex with men, has made our community argue that the illness is not receiving enough attention and is reminiscent of these early days of HIV. We had a new prime minister in 1979 and up till 1990, Mrs. Thatcher. She really liked the work that was being done by Mrs. Whitehouse, cleaning up Britain for normal families, and took over the cloak of moral rectitude, but she now had been landed with a sexually transmitted epidemic to deal with, set against such a puritanical background. So what does she do to tackle this problem? Fuck all. We, the people like you and me, we all had to do it by ourselves. Warn, educate, protect ourselves, and by friends, with our friends. So here in Norwich, we actually set up one of the very first AIDS helpline in this city. I'm a cartoonist. My cartoonists have been appearing in gay news since 1978 with a weekly strip and now moved on to Capital Gay because of the poem and the blasphemy. You know? All jolly good fun with lots of Mrs. Whitehouse lampooning, but along came the AIDS crisis and I knew that if I... I had to become a serious cartoonist, and I, if I, I had to become a serious cartoonist if I was going to be of any use. Norman Fowler, the only Tory I'd ever give any credit to, was health secretary in those days. He was rightly concerned about this mysterious virus and so put out the now famous warning brochure, Don't Die of Ignorance, to be delivered to every household along with a television advert. He did this against Thatcher's wishes. She believed that the general public shouldn't be told of our devious sexual practices because young people might hear of them and want to have a go. Mr. Fowler explains this slice of salacious history in his book published in 2014, and you must, you must read it. It's this, it's called Don't Die of Prejudice. If you want to read a book by Tory Minster, this is the book to read. Don't die, and it tells you exactly what Thatcher thought of AIDS, the AIDS crisis. Don't die of prejudice. It's absolutely, well, just blows your head off. Anyway, I started to work for the Health Education Council. They started to wake up and put adverts in the gay press warning of the dangers of unsafe sex, yet being censored and muzzled over what safe sex actually is, because using dirty words contravenes the festival of light and clean up TV principles, which have now fully entered into the House of Commons. So you can't talk about a sexually transmitted disease because you can't use the words that say anything sexy. Do you know what I mean? It's just... These adverts told us that the only sexual activities we gay men could do back then were two things, dry kissing and back-to-back -back masturbation. <laughs> you know, it's not funny. 
Am I, am I right? <laughs> and then, if things couldn't get any more fraught and complicated, Mrs. Thatcher brought in Clause Bloody 28 and turned it into a law which stated that local authorities shall not intentionally promote homosexuality, nor publish material, nor promote the teaching in any school the acceptability of homosexuality as a pretended family relationship. So now all public libraries had to get rid of LGBTQ plus fiction and self-help books. The gay press was swooped on and publications seized by police. The only plain truth info about HIV, AIDS and safer sex was in imported gay mags from the USA and all that was being stripped from the shelves. The health education office was restricted and every advert from them was bland, euphemistic and censored by Thatcher. Her homophobia meant that she blocked explicit health warnings because she feared descriptions of risky sex would do immense harm to teenagers. Don't die of ignorance, right? Following Thatcher's objections, adverts were placed with text moderately amended. We were given pictures of packets of condoms on a radiator. Now, that's not a good idea. Another pack of condoms next to oil-based lubricants. That's not another good idea. We were given a phrenology head, you know those heads with sort of bits where the, you know, actually right, with the word imagination written on the side. Imagination, your greatest safe sex tool. <laughs> a dreamy concept that had obviously just dry kissed and back-to-back -back masturbated itself into ecstasy. <laughs> I pilloried each of these meaningless adverts in my cartoon strips, and finally Health Education wrote to the paper and said, if David Shenton thinks he can do better, then let him try. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> I was told I could be as explicit as I thought necessary. This was going to be a flyer handed out in leather bars, fetish clubs, and sex clubs after all. So I'm thinking, right, okay, let's be sensible about this. This is still health education. They're still fettered by a homophobic government. This is going to get censored. I don't have the original anymore, but I've, so I've drawn a rough copy from memory. <laughs> Here we have... <laughs> okay. Don't tell your mum. I just, listen, I just leave this one here. That's what they say on Facebook. I'll just leave this here. <laughs> I don't have the original anymore, so I've just drawn a rough copy from it. Here we have a leather top looking gruff and mean, rather drunk and just about to dive in. <laughs> and a rather drunk bottom, kind of enjoying the scene when a concerning thought strikes him. But I do have the original words. And I'll read them to you. You can be the government censors, and you can be as offended as you like, bearing in mind this material might, just might, contain a tiny bit of valuable information that could save at least one person from becoming infected. Now, where the it's on blue paper? There you go. Look at that. Okay. Up your bum. He's hot, he's horny, and he's a bit high. He's slobbered around your chest, turned you over, and slapped some lube about. Now, do you honestly think now is the best time to decide if bare backing is the right thing for you? 
You know what it is. You might have watched a porno or two, all exciting stuff. Nothing else quite like it, apparently, and everybody knows it's what real gay men do. Total rubbish. And bareback anal fucking is the most risky sexual activity for a gay man. Risky for both partners, not just the passive guy, as some macho boneheads believe. You can make things safer by insisting on using a stronger condom, providing it doesn't break, leak, or come off. But it's your life. You don't have to fuck to prove, to prove anything, and if you don't want to, then shout it out before things go too far. That's the, that's what, that was the script, okay? I waited to be told how the leaflet was received, and a few weeks later, I had one sent to me. I was astounded and dumbstruck. It wasn't my drawing, they weren't my words. In, what? In fact, it was a picture like this. It was Nearly finished. Okay, a centaur, half man, half horse, being ridden by a naked man, both looking blissful, with the caption, riding the passion. Now, there are a few things here that need to be, <laughs> that need to be pointed out. The main point of producing this flyer was to highlight the dangers of barebacking fucking without a condom. And here are these two obviously barebacking and enjoying themselves no end. <laughs> two, it makes you wonder, well, it makes me wonder exactly how these two characters have sex. <laughs> where, their, where their sex part, sex parts are, who is top, who is bottom, what is this passion they are riding, or is it most likely a return to the old dry kissing and back-to-back -back masturbation? But mostly three. I don't know how many of you here tonight hang around in leather bars, fetish, and sex clubs, but I just might have been to one or two in my time. And although I've met other mythical creatures, I have never, ever <laughs> seen a centaur. Thank you. David Shenton! True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website, truestorieslive.co.uk. We're super grateful to be supported by Arts Council England, Norfolk County Council and Writers Centre Norwich. <laughs>